Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, this sucks. Maybe it's this damn storm we got going on here. It is freaking cold here. Is it? Yeah. It's a, minus it's a good 23 Celsius. I don't know what that is. In Celsius? <laughs> Holy crap. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I, uh, I have to I always have to look it up when I talk to you guys down there because they're always like, oh, what's the weather? Down? Like, well, it's 23. It's cold. Oh my god. God. Yeah, minus nine point four there Fahrenheit. Jesus man. Where my brother wow. is minus forty five. Serious? Yeah. God dang. What's the temperature down there? Seventy Fahrenheit right now. Let me see what that is Fahrenheit to Celsius. Twenty one. Twenty one degrees. degrees. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's cool. It'll warm up. It's supposed to warm up today to another. <laughs> another 10 degrees fahrenheit so oh it sucks though man i can't stand this weather i can't stand it i want cold yeah uh it was nice at least when i was in arizona there was a cold front going through so it got down just below freezing uh in the night and then warmed up a few degrees during the day so it was great for walking i didn't think arizona got to even got to the freezing temperatures you know that that desert it cools off at night pretty good yeah Um, i guess so during the daytime, it was up in the mid sixties. So what's that? I got to talk, talk to you in all kind of weird language here. So about like metric degrees. and imperial, we're talking here almost. No man, keep that, keep that up. I'll yeah. Keep my conversion table up. Got it right here. Yeah. So it got up to about fifteen degrees Celsius during the day. Yeah. See, we won't see fifteen degrees again until April. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But you're building Canada, man. 
bigger animals with that though right yeah sometimes if the uh if it doesn't kill them all sometimes we get pretty nasty winters especially like up north yeah sometimes they uh they don't make it so in the mid 90s there was a brutal couple years we had some wicked storms in it it was pretty hard on the mealies but what do you do i guess can't control the weather nope everybody blames global warming or covid one of the two It's gotta be COVID. You guys still with still deal with all the COVID BS down there? Are you guys over it? Because I watch like you watch a baseball game or a football game, and it's like stands are packed, nobody's wearing masks. Up here, they just like they shut down. Yeah, no, all sporting events or still like the, the oh yeah, yeah, man. Jeez. Golly, no, it's it's it's. I mean, as, as far as Texas goes, I can't speak for everything else. I think everywhere else is mostly normal, but with mask regulations some places but down here in texas there's no mask mandates things are more or less back to normal ish i mean kids still wear masks in school Um, oh yeah for my school district it's it's encouraged but optional oh yeah yeah my kids they all have to wear masks in school but they say uh talking to them they say well we we start out with the masks, but they don't last all day it's so it's weird Pretty because, tough. <clears throat> um, so as, as I teach, like sometimes like I'll see kids without their mask on, like during lunch or whenever, and I don't even recognize who they are. So it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And what, what grade do you teach again? I forget. Uh, I teach ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th. Oh, all high school. It. Yeah. Poor bastard. So, <laughs> no, nah, man, I love it. The school I work at's a real, a real gym. It's, pretty cool place yeah that's good you find it hard uh teaching uh kids that age because i remember what it was like when well i mean that's so, kind I of mean, a different story but i mean yeah i mean in general yeah so i've been teaching high school this is my geez 11th year doing high school no i'm sorry that's not right 12th year doing high school i did no 13th year doing high school i did two years middle school also but um the harder grades for me to teach were the, the like the ninth graders, the freshmen. They they come in from being top dogs at their middle school to being the underdogs, but they still think they're top dogs, so they're still clowning around. Right. Um. But uh. So the way my my school district is is the normal the normal high schools have four thousand kids roughly at the high schools, so they're big. But um, two years ago, I transferred to this other high school of our district, which has 400 kids. And it's it's based on a lottery system. So kids who wanna come here to this high school in the district apply through the lottery. And they simultaneously are taking their high school courses along with uh, college courses because we're connected to a community college campus. Oh yeah. So they'll earn their associate's degree uh, theoretically a week before they graduate high school. So the kids at my school now are super focused and driven. So it's, it's pretty much a dream job for me. The kids just, there's no, there's no behavior issues. They're just great kids and just working, working hard to do, to do what they got to do to be successful in life. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if they're anything like me, they're uh, probably a handful. In some schools, I imagine. But yeah, I think about how I was in high school. I would have hated hated teaching myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So how's uh, how's things going with the books? 
Books are going good. Um, we just, you know, came out of Christmas season, so things just slowed down a lot, but we had a good, a good little couple months there. Um, I think since last time we've talked, we've expanded from 23 Bass Pro Shop Cabela's to 151 stores. Yeah, I've seen that. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, we're working on a couple of things. We've, we've partnered up with, uh, uh, this company. You may or may not know, I don't know who you know up there in, in Canada land, but, uh, <laughs> Car- carbon TV, they have this new offshoot called carbon unwind, um, where they are doing sleep stories and meditations. So it's an app. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. So they reached out to us, um, and, a lot of our books are on their sleep stories for the kids. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, and I have a hard time sleeping sometimes. So it's, I get the app for free and I'll listen to those like sleep, sleep stories and it'll help me get to sleep sometimes. Cool. So, so has the, uh, been a lot more sales since you guys, well, why don't we just get rolling here? Why don't you, uh, you're already on the show, so we don't have to go through, uh, um you know the big spiel about who you are and how you got it started but maybe why don't you just uh give everybody a refresher on like what your books are and kind of what they're about sure hey last time we talked did, did we have our dog book out yet our abc book no we didn't okay no. cool so throw it uh, up man you just want me to head on into it right now yeah do it all right yeah so <laughs> put you right on the spot <laughs> uh, so since last time we talked um we put together a really cool ABC book. Um, it includes the ABCs, shapes, colors, and dogs all in one. And what we did was we reached out to some folks that we were friends with through like Instagram and other social medias and who had specific dog breeds, sporting dog breeds that would represent the different letters of the alphabet. So it, we asked them to share photos of their dog if they wanted to include their, those photos in the book. And surprisingly, we only had one person that didn't want to share share the photos of their dog. So um, everyone was super generous and kind to to share some really cool photos of different breeds. And we tried to uh, include some lesser known dog breeds. So you'll have things in there like the Drothar, that represents the letter D and the Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. So, so dog breeds, sporting dog breeds that the average person doesn't normally come across. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at it now on your app or your yeah. web page. So it's, 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 it's a really fun book and the pictures are, are really cool. It's, it's different than other books, obviously for a couple of reasons, but we use the photographs rather than, than, uh, illustrations. Yeah. Um, and I, I, leading into this, I thought this was going to be like a quicker book to put together just because we didn't have the art aspect of it, but it ended up taking a considerable amount of time longer to put together just because reaching out to people takes a whole lot of time, getting contracts with them to allow us to, to use their photographs. But the end result is it's a really cool book, you know, and I don't know who doesn't like looking at pictures of dogs and if they don't, then they're kind of weird people anyway. I'm skeptical of them, but so. Don't look at me. I got, I have three dogs here. 
I'm not yeah. one of those people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so it's cool because the kids, the kids are learning the ABCs, are able to obviously see the different letters, see dogs, the shapes, and colors. So it's it's a really it's a it's a really cool book for the little little kids, and uh, it has pictures I think the adults will like also of the dogs. And uh, it also gives like some of the people who have supported us along the way an opportunity to have showcased like their pup and brag about their pup to, to everybody who picks up a book also. So, so how many books is that for you now? You guys go. We have, we have nine, nine books total now. Nice. So we have our Conservation One series of five books, our Conservation Two series of three books, and then that single book uh, is called Tracking the ABCs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my kids are... Uh... A little older now but we're sharing them with uh, our young nephew and he's all over him so yeah that's cool that's awesome Love so it. do you have to pay like when the people submit these photographs do you guys do you, have, you said you had to sign contract is that like do you have to give them royalties or anything or is it all just like donation to the no so guys? that was that was the real cool thing is is you know being a small company that we are it, we were afraid that we were going to end up in a situation where people were going to be asking for money and we just couldn't afford that right so and it, that, it, that's why it was so awesome is that the people we reached out to, um, they were really generous and had no problems giving us a picture royalty free. We signed a contract just so, so that we would have documentation of, of us being able to use that image. But, uh, you know, of course, we were happy to send them a copy of the book after it was printed. So it was, it was a really huge support from those people to help us get that book put, put out. Yeah, what did that what what kind of timeline did it how long did it take you to put this book together? Oh man, it probably took us about 9 months to get all together. Wow. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a project. So you, you must have started it like right after we spoke last. Probably. I don't I don't remember when the heck we talked. I don't last remember but... I I know I think it was in like February. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised like... if we started right after that. Yeah. Wow. So you've been busy. Oh, and then yeah. you guys signed with Cabela's. That must have been, did like, how were sales after that? Did you guys have to come up with a whole bunch of, whole bunch yeah, so of we, products to be able to sell on their shelves or? We put in, we had to put in another order um, to make sure we had stock available uh, because the, the way they're doing it for us is they're not putting in one huge order. They're mm -hmm. putting in uh, like refill orders. Right. Every like week or two weeks, we'll get a refill order from them. So we had to make sure we were able to, you know, maintain stock or else they would probably drop us if we can't provide, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so so our, our little warehouse is uh, packed full of, you know, extra stock for them and for everybody else that we're shipping out yeah, to. Yeah, make sure you have uh, lots of inventory. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, how did you how did you get in bed with them? Uh, uh, so actually, it's, it's an interesting story. Um one of the uh, reporters here in Houston for the Houston Chronicle, um, who subsequently became a friend of mine, she she got onto us somehow, interviewed me about the books, and did a little write up in the Houston Chronicle down here. And then that, we were talking after that, and she suggested that she introduced me to the the store manager at the Bass Pro Shop here uh, in Katy, Texas. So she talked to him and he liked the books and he passed the word up through proper channels. And then, then uh, corporate reached out to us asking us for samples. 
and uh, kind of just fell into place after that. It was pretty pretty awesome how it worked out, actually. Yeah, well, no kidding. That's, uh, I mean, well, I think they own everything now, don't they? Like Bass Pro? Bass Pro they, and Cabela's. Did they take was... on uh, Sportsman Warehouse, too? So I, th- I think I think that might be right, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they bought them out. I mean, we don't have... Uh, don't have a lot of bass pro or cabela's up here we got uh maybe three or four i think in bc total i think only three yeah so but yeah quite the place i know it's down there they get some uh pretty big stores yeah we do it'd be interesting to see like the difference between y'all stores and our stores (laughs) okay well i know there's that there's that one bass pro that that pyramid and it's got like it's got a lake in there and you could try out fishing boats and shit in there i was, <laughs> I was looking at it. it's in memphis or something i think you're right yeah <laughs> yeah so it uh nothing like that no no <laughs> no ice no. fishing lakes for you guys up there to test out ice fishing gear <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 ice fishing but uh yeah they're pretty neat stores we hit them up every time we go down to vancouver we we hit them up but or is that from where you are? Uh, it's about a three and a half hour drive. Wow. West towards okay. the ocean. So gotcha. not that far. I mean, for you, it'd only probably be about an hour because you don't have any hills or mountains there. So I see. straight shot. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Different world, man. Oh, totally. Totally different. I've been driving 80 miles an hour on the highway because the speed limit is 80 miles an hour in West Texas. And it's just wide open. I couldn't imagine if it was through hills and snow and ice how long it would take me to make those drives yeah it's uh that's well that's what it is like you go to alberta saskatchewan i mean it's takes a lot less time to get across right across the province than it does bc just because all the hills and everything yeah makes sense yeah we'll we'll get you up here one day yeah one day gotta have it happen eventually if they don't yeah close the border from us again oh dude you never know COVID or Megatron or Omicron or whatever, whatever virus we're on now. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I was listening on the radio that the uh, that the vaccines, like, do you guys have to get vaccine passports and stuff down there to do anything? Not yet. No, not no. yet. Um, there's, I think there's some cities that are trying to implement it. And I think it's a, there's a lot of debate right now in the courts. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Still uh, yeah who knows i was listening on the radio and they had a doctor on there and he was saying that the we like the two doses that everyone had are only 15 percent effective against this new variation of this of covid so who knows yeah that's crazy yeah who knows not me whatever for sure you get COVID, yeah? No, no, I haven't. My, not that my you know boy, my, no, Not that I know of. My boy got it early on. Um, didn't have any symptoms, but he tested positive for it from oh, yeah. his school. Yeah, I think a lot more people probably have had it than, than they know. I don't know. Everybody I talk to, I mean, obviously, there is some unfortunate people who get really sick from it. and mm. uh, But I know there's a lot of people that I know that have had it and they didn't even notice, so... Yeah, it's interesting how it affects different people differently. Yeah, definitely. It's like anything. But uh, anyway, let's talk some hunting. Sure. What? Uh, when we talked uh, 
we were talking in October there. And mm-hmm. what, you were going on a were you going on a whitetail hunt? And what else? Uh, antelope hunt, but not regular uh, antelope. Those Nagali or Nagat. How do you know that? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, Luke and I got drawn. Uh, Luke, that's your brother. My brother, my co co yeah. co owner of the business, brother, friend. Um, yeah, we got drawn for us way down south Texas uh, hunt for whitetails and nilgai antelope it's which is a like around a 400 poundish antelope from india yeah they're huge but they're not even like they're that's an asian antelope right yeah right so how, right well how are you guys hunting them down there <laughs> well <clears throat> i forget what year it is i think it was like maybe in the 50s or something whole bunch were introduced down to south texas breaking through fences and whatnot and down there they're, they've established free-ranging populations I think you guys have a bunch down there in Texas. There's a bunch of crazy. I think it's something. I think it's something like fifty thousand of those are roaming around there. But yeah, we have a whole like a whole free. Bunch. They're just wild, roaming around wild. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the, the high fence ranchers have them on their ranches also. Um, but yeah, they've they've escaped and populated all over wherever. Well, they have a hunting season for them. They're cool looking. They're super cool looking. Um, a big a big bull is like. Like a like a hefty, well muscled looking animal. And they have yeah. really small small horns too. So like I got a really big bull is gonna have maybe like ten or eleven inch horns. So yeah, but the meat is top notch. Like it's better than elk, better than moose, better than whatever, whatever you want to throw out there. It's, it's like the best stuff out there. Yeah, well, I mean, antelope like pronghorn meat's delicious. I think I know a oh, lot yeah. of guys say that they don't like it, but I mean, I loved it. When yeah, Luke, 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 Luke drew a tag in New Mexico this year, actually, uh, back in, I guess, September, October. And he shot a pretty nice buck. So did you day. get one? Yeah, he got one. Uh, oh, down south? No, actually, no, we didn't. It's a, it's kind of a sad story. Um, uh, I stalked in on a buck, a, a whitetail buck. Uh, through the cactus and low brush he was bedded down and uh got within about 19 18 19 yards of him and he stood up and i uh, completely messed up my shot i shot in the brisket and i found my arrow no blood searched and searched and searched and searched i saw exactly where i hit him so he probably has a nasty little scar on his on his brisket but I know he's going to be living, but the problem is, like, first of all, it's a, it was a chip shot. I shouldn't have missed. And secondly, it was the biggest buck I've ever shot at. It was complete giant monster of South Texas. It's heavy, wide, tall, every, everything I could have asked for. And I just completely whiffed on, on the shot. It's been eating me for a couple of months now. Yeah, those, those kind of shots, they eat you for... It'll eat you for a lot longer, I'm sure. So, oh, yeah. you've have you hunted these things before? Yeah, so we've actually drawn the same the same hunt. Uh, I think, and it's fully. archery only. Yep, it's an archery only hunt. We've drawn it like three or four times prior over yeah. the last five or six years. Um, we've come really close. We've seen a lot of the nail guy um, at different times. We saw two this year, but they were both on on the private side of the of the line property line so we weren't able to make a play on those but so what's the deal what's the deal down there with 
private and public land down in Texas? Because from my understanding is that Texas is 98% private and 2% uh, state yeah. park. Yeah, so it's it's that's pretty much how it is. Um, we got some national forests. We got some uh, state parks. We got wildlife management areas. We got national refuges. If you add up all the the uh, publicly accessible hunting lands in Texas, we have around a million acres of publicly accessible land, which is only about one to two percent of the state. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's laughable, I'm sure, where y'all are at. Um, but it's it's what we got. We have a lot. We have you know a lot of options. It's not it's not as accessible as a lot of the western states or a lot of places in Canada. But we may do. You know, we got got we got enough opportunities to, for people to get out there still. So that's where you guys were hunting. You guys were hunting on in these state parks. It was as a national wildlife refuge. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they open it up for, uh, I think, like four weekends of archery, and I think maybe two or three weekends of, of rifle. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so this was your fourth time? And you have you yeah. got one before? Luke shot a buck there before. He's missed a nil guy before. I don't know if he wants me telling people that, but uh, I think it was good. like... <laughs> um, We've all missed. Oh yeah, we've seen we've we've every time we've been there we've we've seen we've seen big deer we've seen no guy we've seen small we've just there's a lot of animals down there it's right on the coast so we'll also see a ton of waterfowl it's it's a pretty cool place out in the desert I bet cool yeah. to see yeah and then and then he, he had that pronghorn hunt in New Mexico he drew that I wasn't able to go on um, but from everything he tells me it was like a really fun hunt he and my dad went. They camped out, did a little fishing. He made a really good shot on a on a pronghorn from pretty good poke. Nice. And yeah, it was a really nice buck. So do the uh, do the the bulls have uh, or the bucks? Is that the bull, bucks? You guys uh, the call them guy? bulls or bucks? What are the they nil, called? The, yeah, the nil guy. Bulls. They, bulls and bulls? cows. Yeah. Bulls yeah. and cows. So do the cows have horns too? Are they horns or the antlers? Do they shed those? They're horns. Yeah. They're horns, horns. Yeah. They're, are they like the the pronghorn where they kind of no kind of like they, they do this soft soft malt and then these uh -uh. shells fall off and grow or they're just horns like they're straight straight horns like you would imagine like uh i don't know like a, a gazelle or a, you know like a big horn yeah they just keep yeah, that's growing cool. yeah but they're so small yeah they're neat yeah they're neat looking though yeah they're really cool they for people who can't uh, imagine it imagine like a big muscular uh bull a cow, a cattle, like a big broad chest, but then a little bit longer body, like an elk, longer legs, like an elk. Yeah, and dark. The, neck, the neck is way long and its head's really small and it's dark, like a grayish brown, like a grayish brown. The bulls sometimes have like a bluish appearance to them. So they call them blue, yeah. the blue bull. It's yeah, they're weird. Idea. They look like yeah. I just googled them now. They look like a cow with almost with a small head and yeah. like these it's, tiny little yeah, they're tiny they're, little horns on them. Yeah, like uh, like, a, like a mountain goat almost, right? Yeah, it does look. Yeah, it looks like uh yeah, like a large, short-haired mountain goat. I guess yeah. Yeah, you can Google they're, them. And, they're interesting animals. Yeah, Nilgai, yeah, N I L G A I. So you see, so you missed nineteen uh, yards. 
Uh, yeah, missed. That was and it, then, just uh, the one shot? Yeah, Luke had to leave a day early. And then after that, um, so he left, I think, that evening. And I kind of was really down on myself and discouraged. So I ended up leaving the day early too because I was – I didn't feel like I needed to go out there and try to shoot something else after I had whiffed on that. I don't know. I, I got down myself. It doesn't happen too often, but. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen to me either. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not the missing part. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, get down on myself like that. I, I just, I just, I didn't feel like hunting anymore after that. I was, I was pretty ticked off at myself. Uh, that's funny. Oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, so then how, I was. What kind of hunt? Was, how do you hunt these things first? Like, how do you guys use blinds or just spot and stock? Uh, so a lot of people will use blinds. I have a hard time doing long sits and blinds or tree stands. So I, mm -hmm. I have a really bad habit of getting getting up and walking around and trying to find stuff rather than having stuff find me. Yeah. Uh, so that that's like I'll sit those first little little time hour or two in the morning in a, in a spot that I thought was good. And then I usually end up getting, getting up and going looking for stuff. Um, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll blow a lot of animals out, but every once in a while I'll be able to get close on something and uh, miss. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time when I sit in a stand, I, I can't fuck man. I just can't sit still and like, you know, yeah. I do a lot better if, you know, it's tough. It's hard to sit still because even when you're rustling around, you might think you're quiet and the animals, they still hear you. Sure. And, so. you know, it's probably a lot harder for y'all up there where it's freezing cold, you know, moving around is really helpful. Yeah. You got to dress, uh, you got to dress for them. But then again, it sucks. It sucks yeah. putting all those layers on. It's hard to shoot a bow with uh, 15 layers of clothes on. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Jeez. So it's a yeah. built-in excuse though, right? Yeah, that's that's what I blame my missus on. All the clothing I'm wearing. Well, I'm, I'm down here in like a short sleeve t-shirt missing. I have no excuses. Yeah. So then you're you're hunting white tailed deer. How'd that go? Yeah. Um uh you know, I haven't had a had a deer on the ground yet this year. We're gonna gonna we're gonna get a chance here in two days, I guess. We we have another draw hunt coming up um kind of more to the west and north of where we were like kind of around the san antonio area are these Not both sure. draw like are these both draw the the whitetail yes. hunt you were on earlier that was a draw and you know, now you have another mm -hmm. draw both in right. texas correct yes That's yeah cool. so the, the texas draw system we have a whole bunch of properties and opportunities that we can apply for every year and and uh it's like a three dollar application fee for a lot of these things and we we accrue points like a lot of the Western states will accrue points for these particular hunts. Um, but then there's also regular walk-in access to a lot of places also. So it's not strictly on a draw. These are just kind of some of the, the prime, the prime areas that are like highly desired that get put on draws. Right. Do you or, ever get a chance to hunt any private land or down there? You know, anyone down there? I've, I've had an opportunity. Um, before i don't really seek out private land too much too often right. just i don't know i enjoy doing the public thing uh if if private comes comes my way and i have opportunity i'll certainly hop on hop on it 
uh, no problem with that at all, but it's, it's more of a headache for me to try to gain permission. Down. It's, it's different down here than a lot of places, man. Uh, it's hunting is so, so like valued as a financial resource to the landowners. So access is, is usually a pay for system. Um, it, so it's, pay for like guys, people have to pay, they pay the landowners rights yeah, like, to go hunt on their private yeah, land. Yeah, a lot of the private land is is up for hunting leases or oh yeah, it's it they that's their business. One of their side businesses is uh, providing hunting opportunities on their property. So right, how much better is the is hunting down there on private land compared to the, the little bit of public land? Uh, I mean, it, it substantial. It yeah, I mean the opportunities are you're gonna see more animals for sure. Yeah. There's le- less pressure for sure. Um, a lot of the places there's they're really big pieces of property too, so they have some really good properties that have great management on them, so you get some really big deer off of them. Yeah, but not to say that I haven't seen some really really good deer on public land also down here yeah uh actually the the two best deer i've ever seen the two biggest deer i've ever seen were on public land white tail i guess yeah the, the one that i missed this year is number two and the first one um i saw him probably five or six years ago in the place i always hunt but i was not hunting deer because all my deer tags were full and uh he stood up 20 yards from me i was i was, I was hiking and it was, he had three main beams and just junk all over the place. So, something that, you, that would be hanging on a wall of like a Cabela's or something. Nice. And I'm standing there 20 yards from him with no deer tags in my pocket. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah. That always happens though. Always. I mean, don't have a tag. Yeah. Always. Do you guys have mule deer down there? There's some mule deer in Texas. Yeah. So uh, West Texas and like North Texas up in the panhandle, there's, there's mule deer populations. A couple of years ago, actually I drew a tag way out in West Texas for a mule deer. I was got on a pretty good buck and that was my first mule deer. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's some pretty good ones too, but again, it, most of that's on private properties. Hardly, there's hardly any public property in West Texas. Oh yeah. Almost all of that's exclusively private. Right. That's huh. where we have like our desert bighorn sheep, uh, as in West, West Texas. Oh yeah. Those all, are all on private. All private, private yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge cooperative effort with those private landowners to have brought those animals back to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Those all, well, originally all those bighorns, they came from, from up here. Is that where they came back, from? Yeah. Back in the sixties. Oh, wow. I believe. Yeah. I believe I, I remember reading somewhere that, uh, all the uh, bighorn, they're pretty much decimated down in the States. And they brought oh, yeah. them all from uh, brought them all from up here in BC and took them down there. No, oh, thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you guys are going to get them back. Yeah, probably Maybe. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. Hey, okay. Can we have those 60 sheep back? Uh, no. I don't, I don't know how many they gave, but I'll have to read about it, but. I remember, I remember there was, uh, there was quite a bit that went down there. So, but there's crazy animals to hunt down in Texas. You get like African animals you can hunt down there. And yeah. That's, that's a, crazy stuff. And the crazy, the crazy part is 
so you have all the, a lot of these high fence ranches. Um, some of them are small, a few hundred acres, but a lot of them are, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50,000 acre ranches where they've over decades of, you know, land ownership, they've brought in all kinds of weird things from Africa, Asia, zebras, you know, different gazelles, like scimitar horned or just all kinds of weird things. And, uh, over time, a lot of those things have, you know, broke free, free from the, the fences and a lot of West and South Texas, you'll, you'll have areas of low fence, just free ranging exotics. Just you'll be driving down a highway and you might see, you know, a water buck or a zebra or an axis deer or a fallow deer. It's just, it's kind of cool, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 a different it's a different experience for sure. Like having the like the knowledge that you may come across something that's not even from this continent. Yeah, no doubt. So, do you guys get hunting opportunities on those as residents? Yeah, so a lot of the draw hunts are um, in areas where a lot of these animals tend to be, and in the uh, bag limit, it'll be like you know you have your your deer bag limit, whatever it is, you know, two bucks or whatever. And it might say unlimited exotic animals or and one exotic animal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we tend to apply for areas where there, we have, you know, those opportunities um, to see different things. And uh, we, went, yeah, we, cool. we, we actually drew a hunt a few years back. It was it was a, it was a deer hunt, but they have exotics on the property, too. Um, they said, hey, recently some some warthogs have been seen some African warthogs have been seen on the property. So if you see those, try to kill them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Those fallow deer are cool. They are. They're really cool. Yeah, there, There's a, a place up here in BC where they're, yeah, they're infested with fallow deer. Oh, really? Yeah. It's all private land though. And nobody will let you hunt them. And I guess the residents, they just bitch about the deer all the time, but they don't <laughs> let people hunt them. I don't know. What's what's the, uh, the the public land situation up there? Like how much how much of BC is public and accessible to you? Uh, like, well, we have ninety four percent of British Columbia's public land. Oh God! And so I don't know how much bigger British Columbia is than Texas. So that's crazy. That's probably I can't, I can't even quite a bit that. bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Oh yeah. So we probably have more public land than the size of Texas, I imagine. So no, no shortage of areas for you to explore, huh? No. Lots of places to go, but lots of hard places to get to. I can imagine, yeah. Too, right? So, I mean, we don't have very little roads, especially when you get to the northern. I mean, down in Vancouver, it's all infested with humans, but everywhere else is. So what do people do? Like they, they get on, on uh, snowmobiles or horseback or helicopters. What are they doing to get to access on these spots? <laughs> I like how you throw snowmobiles in there. <laughs> most of the time it's like a lot of guys do fly-ins i mean you can do walk-ins you can you can get to a road like, like there's there's forestry service roads there's a lot of forestry up here in british columbia so i mean there's access roads right um okay. so a lot of guys going through that way a lot of guys truck hunt um so but we have shitty management up here right so with all the animals yeah. we have up here you figure we'd be doing a lot better but um we have horrible management so why why is that uh, well, it's all run through the government, so it's all political. Um, so you don't have like science dictating bag limits. Oh hell no, no. There's no, there's no scientific. Like a lot of the stuff they do is 
is not based on any scientific so data. Taking, they're taking the North American model and just tossing it out the window. Yeah, and it's funny because one of the, the people who wrote that, um, or the you know the key contributors to it, Valerius guys, he's was a BC resident. So uh-huh. you know Shane yeah. Mahoney, you know they're both Canadian, and yeah, it uh, they don't consider that at all. No, it's it's awful. Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of groups up here, organizations that are doing their best to to try to improve it, but I don't know. It's uh, it's painful. Absolutely it's unfortunate. Painful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even like talking about it so bad. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, and you you're going to hunt whitetail on western with your boy. That's gonna be a blast. Yeah, it's gonna. What's your plan there? Old. Are you guys gonna do blind hunt? Yeah. Um, so he's six. This is gonna be his first deer hunt with me. Yeah, he's been like dove hunting and squirrel hunting with me a number of times. But uh, so this is going to be his first time actually sitting in a blind. The uh, It's a wildlife management area. And we are going to be assigned a specific compartment, like a, a specific section of the, the area that we are allowed to stay in, each hunter, mm-hmm. just to keep people away from each other, which is fine. Um, they have... They have some blinds already in the unit. So if we choose to use those blinds, we, are, oh, we, can, I see. we can bring our own blinds. We can do whatever we want. Um, so it's going to be, um, you know, we're going to be sitting in the blinds in the morning. I probably won't sit as long as I would like to. Not that I really tend to sit long anyway, but I'll probably just do a, a, a quick hunts in the morning, yeah. quick hunts in the evening. And then during the daytime, I'll, I'll take him somewhere and back to yeah. camp and let him walk off some steam, play some, play around a little bit, maybe take him down to the river and do a little fishing. Right. So it's going to be, it's, Luke, Luke will be hitting it pretty hard. I'm sure he'll probably be doing day long sits. He's much better at being patient in a stand than I am. Yeah, it's um, tough. Yeah. It's a so, discipline. It's a skill almost. To sit there that long. I think it's kind of like a sickness, man. Like, <laughs> yeah i agree it's hard to explain it's hard unless you do it it's hard to explain how painful it is it really can be and uh you know it's it goes by quicker if you're you know you're seeing things and yeah oh definitely some of those days they just they just drag on and i just get antsy i i i don't know there's different kinds there's different kinds of of bird dogs too right some that can you know hold a point and wait and some that just want to go in and flush and i think i'm a flusher if i'm a bird dog yeah, but you could hunt javelina down there and stuff too, eh, hogs? Yeah, so it's open to, we'll, we'll be able to shoot three deer, up to three deer. Are you bow hunting or rifle? It's archery, yeah. So I'll be taking my bow. It's going to be another uh, interesting thing, having the, having the boy in the, in the stand with me and trying to keep him quiet and still. Um, uh, yeah, so it's archery hunt only. There's We can shoot one javelina up to three deer. Two of them can be bucks, unlimited hogs, and coyotes. Uh, How yeah. many white tails are you guys allowed a, a year? So the, these these deer are off of our permits. They're for like the, the the wildlife management area is allotted these permits, so these will be off of our own hunting permits. Sorry, not off our own, separate from our own hunting permits. When we go purchase our our hunting license from the state, it comes with. I think five whitetail tags. I think it's 
three antlerless or antlered and then two antlerless right it's been a long been a long time since i had to look at all my tags but um and then there's other opportunities you know you can apply a lot of these places that apply they have their own permits that they they use instead of your own hunting permits and then a lot of the land management land management uh through the state in cooperation with landowners um landowners are are issued uh, additional uh managed land permits so they'll have biologists come in and look at your property and you know see how many animals you're over carrying capacity and try to figure out a good management plan and then the state will issue that that landowner some permits according to whatever the biologists dictate uh for example luke one of his old bosses maybe like 10 or 12 years ago actually when i first moved back to texas he invited us out to his property and he had uh 80 something doe tags issued from the state that he had to or not had to but he that he could cull from his property it was like a, an 1100 acre property he, it was wow. just over overrun with deer oh yeah see the guys up so, here fucking lose it oh they, dude that, that's uh anybody shooting does there's a big debate up here about oh really um, well because up here they have uh they have a white-tail doe season mm-hmm. and uh and it's not very well liked with some people so it's interesting that because mm-hmm. you're, you're saying that it's not uh seasons aren't done through like science it's all po- politics it is this do you in your opinion do you think the science supports the take of does up there or do you think that's too too liberal well, you know, it's hard to say because, like, I, I grew up in uh, northern British Columbia, and there's no white-tailed deer up there. There's just black-tailed deer. Okay. So I moved down here. I've been hunting down here now um, for 15 years, roughly. And I see a lot of white-tailed deer, uh, a lot of white-tailed deer everywhere. And I see areas where I've hunted, where I've hunted specifically in the last eight, seven, eight years, where there used to be mule deer, they're now um, displaced by white-tailed deer. And I see, mm-hmm. we've counted... 60 70 white-tailed deer sitting in fields that used to be run primarily by mule deer so um yeah i don't know and and then i talked a lot of you guys down there and you guys are you know you you support the fact that you have to you have to have a doe season um just to keep you know to keep the 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 ratio of bucks to doe in check so i don't know i don't know but again I, i mean there's no science i mean down there like you said like do you guys have um each year is there um a different number of tags you're allowed to hunt that's all based on like um what what uh what scientists and what um, state management thinks that the the species can sustain yeah so yes the short answer is yes but it's it's uh area specific so like the the national forest i hunt mostly is it's called san houston national forest it's like 160,000 acres it's i think the biggest uh, single single property in the state that we have for hunting. Um, you can shoot one antlerless deer during archery season, but during rifle season, you can't shoot an uh, antlerless deer unless you have applied through the U.S. Forest Service and won that antlerless tag through that draw. And I think they issue, uh, I want to say it's roughly 2,000 antlerless permits for that property every year so and then there's properties you'll go to that may allow you to shoot five 
antlers, deer, just, it just, they, they really break it down to each individual yeah. area and, and they do a pretty good job here um, managing through science. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we have a ton of, a ton of deer, a ton of white-tailed deer in the state. We have, I don't know, I think it's somewhere close to 4 million white-tailed deer in the state. Yeah. I'm, that's another thing is that you guys definitely have more white-tails than we do. Um, so, uh, but I, I know, I know a lot of guys in this area that have hunted here their whole lives. They say that um, since they've introduced that um, doe tag, the mm-hmm. doe hunt, the whitetail numbers have gone down. Um, I, I would um, think that, that you, you would want that, wouldn't you? Because I mean, whitetails across the country, like their westward expansion is, is like a steady march on, right? And it, they continue to displace a lot of the mule deer habitat. Yeah. Well, and I, and I just don't think that that whole conversation ever comes up because again like mm-hmm. i said i've seen fields that used to be filled with mule deer and now they're filled with white-tailed deer so um, yeah man mule deer are just uh, the outlook for mule deer is not good when i sit back and look at mule deer 50 years down the road i'm thinking where 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 white tail or where are mule deer going to be in 50 years yeah and it's, it's I, tough I don't see it being good it, no it it's uh it's not looking good for them for sure. Um, I mean, up here we have a lot of predators. Cougars kill a lot of mule deer. Come across tons of uh, tons of mule deer carcasses. Um, yeah, and I know even in the spring. I mean, you find you find tons of leftover mule deer. So yeah. just from we have you know where I am in southern British South Central British Columbia here, we have a ton of cougars, and uh, I mean they probably take a, a deer or an elk a week. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, was, and I know that the guides they do a lot of hunting but I don't think I mean they're hard to hunt right cougars yeah. are hard to hunt so um. actually I, I was really close to doing a, a lion hunt in northern New Mexico with some friends I've met um, but the weather was un- unfortunately not in our, our favor it didn't dump any snow really so they, they said it'd probably be best to try to wait till next year or later in the year when there's snow yeah um, yeah, that was last week. I was supposed to be that. It was gonna be really exciting. I've never been on a lion hunt. I've never hunted with hounds before, and they've got a really cool pack of hounds. One of their dogs right. actually is, is in the book. The red bone coon hound is is one of their one of their dogs. Yeah. Um. So hopefully, you know, maybe like next month, if it, if they get some good snow, I'll be able to find some time to get out there again. But it worked out. I I got in the truck and just headed west to South Arizona. And uh, took the dog with me, and we went and did some bird hunting. And yeah, you cleaned up. And, oh man, it was it was so fun. We uh, we shot ten quail. I could have shot more, but I didn't want to keep busting up the the coveys. The, it's not not a great quail year down there, so I kind of just gave the coveys some reprieve and just found some, shot some, moved on, tried to find some more, shot some ducks, shot some jackrabbits, and now I got a freezer full of, of small game. That's going to be a lot of fun to, to mess around with in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm looking at your uh, scorecard here you sent me. It's pretty uh, it's pretty good. You cleaned up on those doves. Yeah, it was Build ridiculous. It. It was, uh, there was uh, literally, there was flocks of 100 dove everywhere. Like I saw more dove on that trip than i probably have seen in my entire life put together it was it was crazy so what are you shooting these things with uh so the dove and quail i was shooting my my 12 gauge seven and a half shots um when i was jump shooting the the ponds 
I was putting in number fours and number three steel. And then the jackrabbits were uh, seven halves also. Oh, yeah. Nice. So when you're hunting these doves, what do you, you just sitting by the water or how are you hunting them? Yeah. I mean, most, most of it was uh, me sitting by the pond in the evening just to, to, to fill out the limit. Right. Um, I was being very, very selective on the shots I was taking because there are so many birds. I didn't, so I was just picking the easy shots and it was, <laughs> so um, <laughs> there was a, a flock that came through nice, nice, good sized flock. I focused on, picking out one bird i swung through shot and then four dove dropped <laughs> like, well that's a better shot isn't it holy crap <laughs> there's, there's that many birds and that happened to me a, a couple times a couple more times two birds fell out of the flock yeah. it was kind of scary because i as i'm starting to get near my my limit like, oh yeah yeah you don't want to go over your bag limit yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I was out there all by myself, just me and the dog. It was pretty cool. Several times border patrol, you know, came up to me and talked to me and you know, like, Hey, you know, just be careful. You know, if you see anybody walking through the hills, give them a wide berth. If you anybody see like anybody, who, what do you mean? Uh, like, like, uh, illegal aliens coming through, coming through the border. Okay. No and, uh, yeah, they're like, if you see any, any trucks like parked in a Canyon or anything like doing drug deals with hundreds of pounds of drugs and AK 47s <laughs> stay away, make, make, <laughs> make sure they don't see you. That's yeah. what they told me. I was like, Holy, oh, that's, Jesus. that's kind of, uh, that's sketchy. Uh, Kevin, honest to God, like when I was camping at night, I was more worried about people coming into my camp than I was worried on my bear hunts in Montana, in the middle of grizzly country. Uh, yeah, I'd be way more, I'm way more afraid of humans than, than any animal. A bad human is way worse than a bad bear. Yeah, well, I don't, I mean, there's, yeah, there's bears or bears just do bear things. And as long as you're responsible and you respect what their territory, you're usually pretty good. But I mean, humans, you never know, especially when they're sitting there doing drug dealers, drug deals. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't, you didn't see anyone? No, I saw some signs. I saw like some old makeshift shoes that they, that they use to like cover up their footprints. So they, they're made out of cloth to like, uh, I guess to dispel their normal footprint. I thought you guys had a big giant wall that, uh, Trump built. Uh, that not get finished. It didn't get finished. No, it didn't get finished. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, I haven't even seen anywhere where the, the wall was actually erected, I, and I, I don't. I just haven't been to that area at all. Oh, it was though, know. wasn't it? Didn't it start getting built? And... Yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a bunch of it that was built, and I just don't know. What was his exactly. slogan? Uh, we're gonna build a wall, and we're gonna make Mexico pay for it, or something. Like that. <laughs> I think that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Using drug money. Yeah, using drug money. There you go. Well, that's crazy. That'd be something to see. I mean, I obviously you never want to see it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder how much that goes on down there, like on a daily basis. That's so I talked to a couple of locals that I bumped to, bumped into while I was hunting, and and they said it's been it's been really bad this last couple of years. Has it? Um, yeah, they, they said it's it's been a big increase um, with the change of the administration down here, and uh, like more people, yeah. they just want to get in now that uh, you guys uh, have. Uh, What's his yeah, name? Yeah, so there? there's, 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 you know, like it's less strict now. Um, less strict? Yeah, on people coming over. Oh, I see. 
and uh, people people are emboldened, I, I guess, to conduct business in the desert. <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I, I only ever see it from like movies and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm. I mean, so when you say when you say a drug dealer, I'm I'm picturing like that. Uh, what was that show? Uh, oh, No Country for Old Men. When he walks in, he's hunting antelope, and he walks in on that drug deal. Remember, have you ever seen that uh, show? I haven't seen it. Oh, no, watch no. it. There's a good one. That's what I picture when you told me that. That's what instantly popped up in my head. Yeah, the picture that was painted in my mind by the couple border patrol agents that had talked to me about this was uh, like I imagine a couple couple pickup trucks in the desert in some secluded canyon loaded loaded to the to the brim full of oh yeah that's crazy with people with tons of guns outgun me with my little shotgun while I'm out there so uh, <laughs> well you're getting four with one shot so <laughs> right <laughs> as as you got lots of ammo just as long as you don't have your bow uh, you know I'm not worried about you all <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh I started, yeah. I, I started shooting a new setup with my bow too this year. And, and oh, did you? Yeah, I felt really confident with it too. What's um, your bow shoot, setup like? I'm shooting a 715 grain arrow and broadhead Ooh. combination now. Yeah, it's it's heavy. It's a heavy what bone What poundage is your bow? 65 pounds. Hmm, it's, de- it's definitely shooting a little bit slower than it was. But uh, yeah, I've been talking to the, the folks down there at the Ashby Foundation. Uh, they do a lot of deep dive into broadhead and arrow setups yeah that's a um, big arrow what's your draw length uh 29 and a half oh yeah so a little bit it's an inch longer than mine i shoot like a 500 grain arrow roughly well i changed my whole setup yeah. this year i was primarily shooting hoyt i shot hoyt for years and now i'm shooting that uh that matthews new the new matthews bow so yeah i shoot a matthews it's 2008 it's uh Switchback 2008 Switchback nice. XT. Yeah. Uh, it, it works good for me. It shoots good for me. I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on another bow. So if it works, no. Well, that's just it. If you find something that you like, broke. there's no point in cheat. Yeah, exactly. Seven hundred fifteen grains. So what do you got up front on that thing? What's your broadhead? Two hundred grain. Um, uh, God dang it! It's from the uh, Grizzly Sticks people. Oh it's, yeah. Okay. It's not. Yeah. It's not their expense. It's not their exp- most expensive one. It's one of their. They're more bargain priced. Right. It's like $55 for three broadhead. What was it? Oh, geez. And you're running what, like a 70 grain, 75 grain brass insert, probably? Uh, I want to say it's 115. 100? 115? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's what it is. 100, 110, maybe? 100? Holy. So your FOC on that arrow must be. Yeah, it's a high FOC, high FOC for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Probably flies pretty good, though, eh? Straight. It does. It does, man. It hits hard. It's, it's, a, pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty cool. <laughs> man, like yeah. I felt I felt when I when I flung that arrow at that buck a couple months ago, I felt really good that it was just gonna just knock him knock him down, <laughs> knock him down really hard. It's it scared the hell out of him though, I'll tell you that. I bet. If I had something going by me winging by my legs, giving me a paper cut, I'd be uh yeah be pretty <laughs> yeah yeah funny guy no that's cool man that's uh that's a big arrow my cousin he wants to he's switching this whole his whole bow setup this year he's going he's shooting an 80 pound Hoyt, and he's gonna go down to a 65 six year 65 and he's talking the same thing like yeah 680 700 grain arrow we're just talking it, about it on christmas it, 
it definitely uh, changes like how I think about long distance shooting. I'm not like I, I'm not going to shoot anything past forty yards now. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say it's going to change your because you're not going to be able to shoot as far. You're not going to have enough room in your sight. Right. Yeah. So when I when I first put an arrow on the knock and shot just to see what, what the difference was from my 20 yard pin, it was dropping uh, eight inches lower than my previous setup at 20 wow. yards. Wow. At yeah. 20 yards, it's already eight inches lower. 20 what yards. were you shooting before, roughly? Uh, I was like 350. Oh. Total. <laughs> so it was, it was light, fast. And yeah, it was, it was built for speed. But uh, okay. I was shooting, I was shooting like a hundred, hundred, hundred gram mechanical broadhead and just oh, yeah. hating it. I shot a couple hogs that just gave me the middle finger and I said. With the mechanical broadheads? Yeah. Yeah. I shoot, I started shooting mechanical broadheads. I love them. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the hogs down here, uh, hogs are different, man. They're. Yeah. I've never shot a hogs. Like I've, yeah. If, never shot a hog. if, if you shoot a hog. If you try to shoot a hog in, in the heart, you're shooting through its shoulder plate. The shoulder plate yeah. is basically, it can be up to like an inch thick leather, like hard. Just, yeah, it's just the, because that's their shield from yeah. when they're fighting, right? So imagine like that that thick neck leather of an elk. Yeah. Right? But thicker and tougher than that. Yeah. Like an alligator almost. Huh. Yeah, that'd probably be a good good comparison. It's just, it's just hard. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think yeah, like I said, I'm not hog hunting up here, so um, it's just the cut penetration you get with those mechanicals. It's just insane. Yeah, no, I used them for a number of years. I, I had good luck with with them plenty of times on on like deer, but it seems like if if I didn't put that shot behind that shoulder enough on hogs, I just end end up wounding hogs. Yeah, yeah, Which I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard they've got really tough, really tough shoulders, and like if you if you're up front at all, you need something that's really gonna pound through that shoulder bone, mm -hmm. shoulder yeah. plate. I mean, even if even even if you do like a really good, well placed shot on a hog, it, they're they're tough. They're really tough, surprisingly tough, and they'll they'll run. And if yeah. you don't have if you don't have like a good wound channel there to give you a good blood trail, it can be challenging to to find them. Yeah, so with this arrow, you're that's what like should it be no problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you think that's, that's a pass through with that arrow setup? Depends on how say 40 yards, 30 yards. We'll go 30 yards with that arrow pass right through that hog. It, it should, should it, theoretically, it, theoretically, it should, it should do it no problem. The broadheads are super, super sharp, too. Yeah, sure, that helps. Well, I guess once they hit that bone, they they mangle them pretty good, but. Fucking crazy things, those hogs, man. They're tough. You ought to get down here one day and, and go on a hog hunt, man. It, it's can anyone cool. come down? Like, can I just fly down and do a, like a, a over the counter hog hunt? Yeah, yeah. Year hog is open year round down here, and uh, in order to hunt them, you just need like a small game license. You don't have to buy your deer tags. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, out of state deer tags like three hundred bucks, and but for if you just want to get your small game license it's uh i think 53 dollars for a non-resident maybe wow. and then there's when can a, you hunt them all year all year yeah and then the, there's a 45 dollar uh public lands permit that you gotta buy also so less than 100 bucks you're, you're ready to go you can go out and shoot as many hogs as you want you know if there wasn't covid right now i'd, I'd be down there right away but yeah i don't even know what the rules are anymore they change them all the time up here right now it's 
don't know. He probably wouldn't have any trouble getting out of the country. No, getting back. That's the funny thing. I live here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to see. Yeah, when things clear up, get down here, man. Yeah, I gotta get. I gotta see about my passport and uh, all that shit. Did I did I tell you uh, that I, I did another spring bear hunt this year up in Montana again? Yeah. Well, you texted me and said, "Hey, you want to go on a spring bear hunt?" And I was like, "Oh, right. dude, That's it's right. like uh, I would, but um, we still have these COVID, this COVID bullshit." And it's funny because you're like, "Still, <laughs> still got that going on." <laughs> yeah. How was that hunt? I didn't see any bears, but it was. It was, I learned a lot. Um, I learned, I learned a lot. I, the, the original area that I had scouted, um, on maps, I had not visited the year before. So it was a completely new country and on paper, it looked really, really promising. Um, so I got there, I hiked in the trail I was hiking in on, uh, the road closed about three miles earlier than I was anticipating. Oh. So I had extra little a little jaunt to get in there, which, you know, is kind of a good thing, right? You know, keeps people away a little more. Yeah. So definitely. I hiked in there and it, the, the year before there was still a decent amount of snow, um, starting around the 6,500 foot elevation mm-hmm. this year, all the snow was gone except for like maybe oh. the tip tops of the 10,000, 10,000 foot peaks. So it was a completely different uh, game than the year before. Everything had already greened up and started browning, um, which kind of threw me off a little bit. I kind of, I kind of felt like my game plan was going to go in there and hunt the snow line where the fresh green grass is, and there wasn't that. Everything was just starting to dry up grass already. So I got in there, hiked in. Spent a day and a half glassing the, the, the basin that I was camped up in. Saw one elk. Didn't see any bear, bear. And I didn't see any black bear sign. I did come across a really fresh pile of grizzly poop and a rub tree um, when I was down in the middle of a thick creek bottom. And the, the, the pile of grizz, grizz poo was still warm. <laughs> uh, so I I kind of decided to go somewhere else on that one. I turned around. I, I didn't want to walk into a grizz in a thick bottom by myself. No, so. it's usually not. A, uh, it's usually not a good thing, especially if it's like a sow that has a couple cubs. Yeah, but, yeah. I just uh, man, I, for the most part, I think they always know you're there before you know they're there. So most of the time, they're pretty good. They don't want anything to do with you. They. I'm they sure they know. They, know if my big feet trampling through the mountains, I'm. Just, like they, they got to hear me, but you know, <laughs> when, when, when you're by Maybe yourself, that's why there's you, no bears. <laughs> you, know, you have a good point, actually. <laughs> the, the, uh, there was this one, this one drainage I wanted to get up, but I could not get past uh, a creek. I couldn't find a crossing on a creek. It was oh, yeah. wider and deeper and faster than I anticipated that being. Um, so I just, I, I probably hiked up a half mile on each direction of the creek, trying to find a good crossing and just nothing, nothing for me to cross. So didn't go up that one. I ended up on that hunt, just picking up and like hopscotching around a lot of different places. Yeah. Didn't, didn't put a whole lot of time into any one place. I think was probably my downfall on the hunt. I didn't. Well, if you're not seeing, if you're not seeing bear sign and, but if there's grizzlies in that area too, there might not, there necessarily might not be black bears around. They might've, 
pushed them out. Yeah, it's entirely so. possible too. But you know, next year I'll give it hell again. Let's see, see what I yeah. learned. Well, we'll see. Maybe I can come down there with you. We'll That'd see what the sweet. see what the border does. I don't know. It'd probably be like here up here. You go hunting, you see nothing but bears. Like you go bear bear hunting, you see six bears a day Seriously. or more. Good God! So I mean, we've gone some days and we've seen. I think my cousin and I we went out last year one day and man, we've seen a lot of bears. I'd say. <laughs> 20 but we weren't counting so that could be an exaggeration but it was a lot are you seeing like mature bears or are you seeing like a mix a mix <clears throat> you don't see the the big suckers as much um they come out like if you hit it right at dark or right early in the morning you're going to catch mm-hmm. them but uh yeah I, we didn't see them as much but last year was it was crazy hot up here last year so um what does that mean to you <laughs> <laughs> hold on i got i got to bring up my calculate conversion like we had temperatures well in like end of june early July, end of june we had like temperatures of 45 degrees celsius so, yeah really yeah we had this That's crazy cool. yeah it broke a whole bunch of records and we had crazy fires one whole we had a whole town lit and it just burnt it just burnt to the ground there's nothing left of it that's insane yeah yeah it was gnarly it was uh it was a bad year for fires up here just well it was good until we had that that heat wave come through and then it was like it was like somebody just went around with a torch and just started lighting fires that's how that's hot man yeah it's really hot yeah it was crazy hot there was records being broken everywhere and then following that you guys got a good winter now well this is like an average winter <laughs> so <laughs> I mean... we were talking before it was you're telling me how cold it is well it's, it's cold but i mean it's not like it's <laughs> It's uh, this is we get we get a good cold snap once a year. One one or two cold snaps a year we get. So, um, how much snow do you guys usually get? Right now, I have probably I just shoveled my skating rink I built in my backyard, God. and there was probably <laughs> there was probably uh, eight inches of snow we got in like overnight. Wow. Yeah. So I'd say there's got to be around a foot of snow in the backyard. That's cool. And are you in the mountains or are you down low? No, we're down. Okay. Well, I mean, we have like you drive five minutes and you're in the mountains, but we're at we're on a lake. So what's what's your elevation there? Oh, dude. Ballpark it within within a thousand feet. I have to look it up. Come on, man. You're disappointing me. <laughs> I I don't know what it what it is at the lake. Mine's easy. We're like close to sea level. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, three hundred forty-two meters. Okay, so a over a thousand feet. Gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, you get up to like Big White, which isn't, um, which isn't only half an hour away, and like where we hunt, it's uh, you know, you're getting up to twenty-two hundred, twenty-three hundred meters. I can't remember what Big White is, but I think it's like twenty-three hundred meters. So okay, you get a lot of. You get a lot snow. of elevation quick, but that's like anywhere in BC, really, right? Snow, snow gets pretty deep in the mountains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if you were to go up to Big White, you'd be looking at probably, I'd say, five or six feet of snow. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then you get to like Revelstoke, and yeah, they get like in their city, they get six feet of snow. It's up to the roof, up to the eavesdrop some, some years Jeez. there. A little that's different. Crazy. Yeah. So in, in BC, am I, uh, am I correct in... If I remember, let me see if I remember this correctly. In BC, any big game hunting 
for a non-resident has to be through a guide. Yeah, for an alien resident. So any any black bear, white tail doesn't matter. Yeah, anything. Anything you come hunt in BC, anything that you come and hunt, like for you, anything that you come and hunt has to be through a guide outfitter. It can't be through, like if you're from Alberta, you can do, you. I could do, um, I can host you. Um, for everything, I think there's a couple species where you can't, like you can't for sheep. Um, I think that's it. Just sheep that you can't, I can't host anybody from out of province, but, um, yeah, for, for a guy like you, we, yeah, you have to go through a guide outfitter. So, yeah, I think we talked about that before. Yeah. I don't know why it's like that. I don't know how long it's been like, been like that for, but, uh, I feel like that was a law that was probably lobbied by the outfitters. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was from like the guide outfitters association of British Columbia. So I'll have to talk to Scotty Ellis. I, I think I even, I don't know if I asked him that before and I'm just dumb. I don't remember, but uh, I don't think I have, I would remember that because that question always comes up all the time. So why can't BC yeah. hunt or why can't uh, guys from down there come up here to hunt without having to pay, you know, $35,000 to go hunt uh, an animal. Crazy. And yeah. y'all, y'all closed down grizzly hunting in BC several years back completely. Right. Yeah. 2018. That was another, that's our great management we have in British Columbia that had nothing to do with science. It was a political, it was a political ploy that the NDP government used to get elected and they weren't elected. So like the NDP government, they're in power now, they weren't elected. We have an unelected government. The NDP got in and part of their campaign was that they were going to end trophy hunting and trophy hunting to everybody in like Vancouver, which is like 80% of the population of British Columbia lives in Vancouver. So a lot of the choices are made down there and people down there, a lot of people down there, they don't, they're not keen on wildlife. They don't, they don't have an idea what's going on. Right. So um, part of the NDP's promise was to shut down trophy hunting. Uh, and so then the unelected government got in and as uh, soon as they took power shortly after they they did an outright instant ban on trophy on so if that was ever to be reversed what would what would the process be on having yeah, it, it reversed it it'd be tough to be reversed now since we've had another election where the ndp government has been elected but i mean if your aunt has balls she's still your uncle right you know what i mean yeah. like i see them still as an unelected government so um but Dang. yeah i know we need a change in government but i mean it's one of those things like once it's gone like i don't know it's gonna be tough to get it back you need like basically what needs to happen is there needs to be bunch of grizzly attacks yeah there needs to be a bunch of grizzly <laughs> attacks like you take if there's a couple bears walk into walk downtown vancouver or victoria then yeah we might get it but until then i don't know because i mean really like they're gonna hear we get grizzly bear attacks and confrontations all the time up here in british columbia and to them they're just like don't yeah, go in the con- woods your, your country folk it doesn't matter yeah exactly. it doesn't affect them they don't get it yeah so yeah we, we, so. we got a lot of work to do on the pr side of hunting man Definitely the social media thing is having an impact. And oh, yeah. Something I've come across uh, recently. Um, so when I got back from Arizona, right, I had this big pile of birds and rabbits, right? And for me, I, I wanted to like just lay them all out, take a picture, and just be like, y'all, look, look, look at how crazy Arizona was. Look at all this meat I have now. But I, I ended up not taking one a, 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 a picture of everything I had, I had a couple of pictures of of uh like the morning hunt or the afternoon hunt while i was there 
I decided not to take a picture of everything altogether just because I knew that if that picture is posted, which I would have posted it to show my friends, right? If I posted that picture, people are going to see just some, yeah. some crazy redneck with a pile of dead animals and be yeah. like, oh, you know, like, why are you killing so many animals? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's tough, man. It's so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, like, I, I don't like to have to be like, apologetic like that and, and, and hold back. Cause I, w- I want people to just like understand and appreciate it, whether they agree or not, just appreciate, you know, the work that went into it and the meals that are going to come out of it, but they, they won't. No. And uh, what got me thinking like that is I was on, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it was. And uh, like something like I, th- I think would be really interesting to get into, but just we don't have the, the, the quality of fur down here in Texas would be to get into trapping. Like I think that'd be a ton of fun, mm-hmm. right? It'd be something I could learn a lot from about wildlife. It'd be a new challenge for me get some great amazing furs make some make some things at home cool things but uh as i'm I'm perusing through some of these photos you know i i see some some trappers taking pictures which to me i don't have any any quarrel with it's it's cool they have a, a coyote in the trap they're like take a picture of it i get it i understand it but i i know for a fact that people on the outside of our of our world our community as outdoorsmen, if they see an animal in a trap that's still alive, I know I know their mind is going to like the torture, right? They're, oh, they're yeah. torturing this poor animal. Why are you torturing this poor animal? Yeah, well, absolutely. There's no silver lining to them. You know what I mean? Like there's just they don't see what you're doing with those animals after that. And even if you took a picture of you with all those animals, you take another picture of you processing those animals, the time and work it goes into doing that. Then you took a picture of you cooking all the animals. Mm-hmm. And then another picture of you like feeding people with all those animals. I don't think it would make a difference. I think they just, you know what I mean? They're so set in their ways that it's just, they just see it as killing them. It's funny because somewhere, somehow they've done the exact same thing in a, in a, a different sort of way. Maybe they have a leather wallet or leather shoes or they have a leather belt on them. They're, they can say or, these or, things. Yeah. Or they're having a sow that came from a field that was tilled up and how many doe fawns or how many fawns got tilled up in that in that from that tiller and well and that's just it like how many not just the deer that but everything like yeah you're taking you're taking away a natural landscape and you know you're you're planning yeah it's yeah i don't know but i mean yeah so it goes back when i say that we have like this 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 pc thing that we're we're uh trying to to do as hunters but then we're also trying to to uh, you know, like well, and those, it I get the view. yeah, I I get the fact that I mean I agree that you know when people somebody goes out and they shoot a buck and they're proud of it, uh, they want to show people, they want to show people, they want to show their buddies, but uh, you know there's other eyes looming around that, and they just they use it as fuel, and yeah, it's I don't know, I get it. This year I didn't post this fall, I didn't post any of my any of my animals I killed on any social media, not one. Yeah, yeah, and I had like I had a pretty good year too. Did you get a moose? No moose. No, I didn't have an LEH draw, so we had to shoot a spike fork. Okay. So, yeah, in my in my region where I live down here, you can apply for an LEH, and then you can have any bull. But if you don't get it, you're allowed uh, a spike only. Which is okay. kind of um, I don't really agree with it. I mean, I don't know. I, I've come across so many three by three moose just shot and left where guys were quick on the trigger and they couldn't oh, aden- identify it in time. So, uh, but I mean that comes. 
with anything we same with elk we have a six it has to be six point or better and i've seen a lot of five by fives shot and left um you know yeah three by three muleys so it's tough so a lot a lot of of the counties down here in texas we have like something similar than to that for whitetails it's like uh a lot of the counties are 13 inches or greater. Yeah. So the inside uh, spread needs to be 13 inches or, or greater. So you'll see people, you know, honest mistake, they shoot a buck that's 12 inches wide. Yeah. And they're afraid to self-report. It's afraid to pull it out. So you'll, you'll every once in a while wind up walking up on a dead end. Yeah. And I feel like that happens a lot. How much land do you realistically cover? Mm-hmm. to and oh, to yeah. find one do you know what i mean like right yeah I mean, so if you if you walk a mile through the woods you're walking a mile on one straight line yeah one path exactly and i mean 20 yards in either direction just could be something behind a brush or behind a rock or a log so yeah, yeah. so like laws like that kind of irk me yeah that that's an, that's an interesting law the 13 13 inches because that's hard to and the thing is too is field judging i mean mm-hmm. Up here, uh, like I said, it has to be a six point. So it has to have six on one side minimum for an elk. Um, for like a mule deer, there is an early archery where it's any mule deer, but for the all the rifle season, it's it has to have four on one side or better. Um, so, you know, those are fairly easy. You'd think, well, you'd think that they would be easily to identify a legal mule deer or legal elk, but again, um, you know, like I said, I've seen, I've seen lots of them and, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one and I'm covering a small, tiny little area of, of British Columbia. So, uh, yeah, um, I mean, counting points is definitely going to be easier than trying to yeah. measure, measure from 150, 20 yards away. Yeah. But, uh, still, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, I've walked up on several bucks I thought was, you know, like a, a three a three point on one side, and it ended up having uh, only two or had four. Yeah. And elk are elk are a tricky one because you get pretty excited when you see a when you see a bull elk. Man. Not everybody can go out on their first trip and first day or <laughs> first elk hunt and shoot a shoot a nice big elk uh, <laughs> like somebody. It was, was only a five by five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, only. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, I can get out get out to Arizona and do that lion hunt this year. If not, then I'll do it next year in the uh, spring bear, hopefully too next year. So let yeah. me know if you can. Uh, yeah. Well, once it. the border clears up here, um, uh, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be, be sending you a message or hitting you up, but uh, yeah, we'll keep working on trying to get you up here somehow. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, how long have we been talking to you? It feels like we've been talking for, for a while now. So you're off, oh. you're off, I guess for a while. Eh? Yeah. I go back on the, I think it's the third is what it is. Oh, yeah. I go back to, back to work. Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, buddy. Good catching up. Uh, hit everybody up where they can buy your books outside yeah. of uh, Cabela's and Bass Pro. Cool. Yeah, they can uh, just go straight to the website, smileoutside.com, or they can find us on Instagram at underscore smile underscore outside. Got any questions, send us an email. Just click on the contact us and shoot, shoot us an email. and We'll get back to you really fast. And uh yeah, check out the books. They're great for kids, wildlife, conservation, and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, buddy. Uh, as always, though, too, I'll put uh, I'll put a link to you guys' stuff in the show notes. And um, they're great. Uh, 
like I said, my kids have all, all read them. They're getting a little old now, but I mean, it's, books are great. You can pass them on right now. Our nephew has them, so awesome. Good stuff. Okay, buddy. Keep Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks, eh? We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. The Focus Hunting Podcast is coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. For more information on Waypoint, make sure you head on over to waypointtv.com. Quick shout out to the sponsors of the show Backroads Maps Books. Never get lost with Backroads Maps. Vortex Optics, the best in optics, period. And Hardcore Archery, BC's interior premier archery shop.